to the saints of God made holy in Jesus and to those prospective saints as we prayed you would come to faith. We hear God's word addressed to us. We heard it in 2 Corinthians chapter 8. Let's focus on one verse as we think about the entire truths. Since you excel in everything, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in complete earnestness, and in the love we have kindled for you, see that you also excel in this grace of giving. You may be seated. Let's think about this. Excelling in grace. I love that title. Wish I would have made it up myself. But I didn't. God did through the pen of St. Paul. And this is an umbrella, a big theme statement of what comes very clear in chapters 8 and chapter 9 of 2 Corinthians. I suppose in some ways it could be considered a textbook about excelling in grace. And there's those two important words, excelling and grace. I mean, who doesn't want to be excellent? Who doesn't want to act and excel in whatever it is that we do? We do, I think, each and all of us. And grace, you heard more than a little bit about that last week. Were you here or online? The, the grace that was rediscovered in its, in its fullness through the Reformation and the work of the Reformers and Martin Luther is one of those. Excelling the gift of grace. That's important to us as saints of God in Jesus. Well, here's the situation. The situation in which this comes true and rings in our hearts and minds. The situation was Christians in Jerusalem. And they were having a hard time. And we don't know all the details, but Paul alluded to some of that in 1 Corinthians, the first letter. And they were in need. And that's where the Macedonians came to play in. Because those Christians were made aware of the difficulties. And with Paul's encouragement, they gave. They gave from grace to help those who were even far away. Paul encouraged, and they responded wonderfully. And that's where the Corinthians come in. Because St. Paul, speaking to them, writing to them, says, hey, look at your fellow Macedonian Christians. See what they've done? Not just done, but how they did it in giving to those fellow Christians in need. The concept of grace and of also of giving helping. Grace, you see, that's where it all begins. That's the central part of what our faith is all about. That's where we relate. And in specifics, it's Jesus who embodies grace. And that's important. Everything is all about grace. And quite frankly, not everybody gets it. Sometimes we don't even get it. But culture around us, not so much. Maybe a bit, but not in its fullness. Grace is how God has dealt with people. 
all through history. Broken people, people who have walked away from God out of a relationship with God, sin-filled people, people of a condition that's alien to God. Grace is how he meets us, how he's done it when he sent his son Jesus into the world so that Jesus reached out with that love. Uh, Not merited, not deserved, not even upon the promise that I'll be good or I'll get better. That's not how God dealt with in Jesus. He gave grace, that is, a love despite who we are, despite what we've done. That grace comes freely and richly and in so many ways. But that's at the very core of who we are. That's where grace begins for our head's understanding and our heart to embrace. And then even some more. This is the grace of giving. And that's the next part. A grace that you and I have received and continue to receive through Jesus and his work and the grace of us giving, the grace working from God in and through us. Kind of like a funnel. You know, sometimes we think of us and ourselves as a receptacle, as a bowl or whatever. Just simply, we pray that God would bless us and we would receive his grace and and let it fill us up. But Celine was telling the kids a few moments ago, it's a grace not only to be captured, not only to be owned, these my words, that we're a funnel open at the bottom so that we can share grace, so that we can give grace in our giving even as we have received it. Not not hoard it, not hang on to it, but give it away. I think I've told you the story, but I'm going to repeat. About a man named Sam Houston. Ever hear of him? 1800s. Military man and also a senator from the great state of Texas. Well, he wasn't a believer for much of his life. He didn't embrace God through faith in Jesus. But one day he did. God worked in him, and he was called to be baptized. And so he stood before God's people, and he was ready to be baptized. In in that situation, it was all the way under the water to be baptized. And so the pastor looked at Sam and he said, you know, better take off your glasses, you know, and you better take out what's in your pocket because, well, that's important. And your back pocket, you know, where your wallet is, take that out. You probably don't want whatever's in there to get wet. And Sam looked at the pastor and he said, if there's an important part of me that really needs baptizing, (laughs) it's my wallet. It's my wallet. He had captured something already in his young faith about the grace of God. Much like what Martin Luther said, although I don't know that Sam knew about what Martin Luther said when he said there's at least three conversions that people go through as they come to Christ. One is in the head as we learn about him. One is in a heart where we own by faith what Jesus by his grace has done. And the third conversion, our wallet our wallet to show that we have not only received God's grace, but its intent to fill us up and to flow through us to other people. Giving and getting. You know, if there's a natural instinct of people born 
just into this world, apart from any relationship with God, what's natural is getting. Isn't it true? Nobody has to teach us about that. Our nature is such that we look to get things. We want to get the love of our parents. We want to receive the love of those who are around us. We want to get things. Oh yeah, that's influenced by the culture. The culture that not indoctrinates, but makes it a part of who we are and capitalizes on that particular part of our nature. We want to get love. We want to get honor. We want to get reputation. We want to receive, get respect. But giving, that's different. That comes as God turns hearts around, as he turns minds around, as he turns lives around. And where giving begins to happen, it's precisely for that reason, because God is at work. Giving is evidence of God at work. It's part of being created in his image, in his likeness. And you know, when that rebirth takes place, that change that God works within us, that rubs off on us. The nature of God rubs off on us. And as the New Testament says, even Paul wrote, we become more and more like Jesus Christ, refashioned into his image more and more. And you see, God is all about giving, and it begins to enter us. God models for us giving, and it becomes a part of us so that we can let loose of so much of the getting, and we can be empowered to give. And think about this. Giving is probably the best thing we can do to break the plague of materialism, which is all about me and mine and getting and hanging on to, and even at its worst, hoarding. Giving is a way to break that materialism. Jesus said, where your treasure is, that's where your heart is. And he's captured our hearts. And he wants that to show in our lives and does everything he can for that to happen. Another banner over all of this is what we call stewardship. You know, and stewardship isn't the most common of words, but when we hear it, even Christians sometimes think, oh, stewardship, that's all about money all about it. Well, no. It's about much more than that. Although, stewardship does include how we manage money, to be sure. And it begins with receiving. That is to say, it begins with God's grace. You know, of all the things Jesus talked about, as much, maybe even more, he talked about money. He talked about the stewardship of the wealth that God entrusts his people with. Parables he told are often about an owner and his servants. The owner who owns it, distributes it, each in his own way to his servants. He says, put my wealth to work. Manage it. Be stewards of it. It's his, but it's entrusted to care of the servants. That's God, and this is us receiving as a gift his grace, receiving evidence of that in his riches. And we put it to work. We put his wealth in our hands into his employ.
Sometimes we forget that. And sometimes we look at this whole business of stewardship, whether it's money or other things, and we'll talk about those other things. We look at it as a bit of managing out of scarcity. Like we've only got a little bit, just a little bit. You know, sometimes I hear people, and maybe you, maybe even I've thought it, you know, if I had a million dollars, well, you know, I would give tons to God's work in the church and in the world. Well, you know what? I've never had anybody put a million dollars in my hand or in my wallet, not even in my bank account. It's easy to say such things. But to look at what we are entrusted with, with God's wealth, in whatever measure he has it overflow into our lives, that is ours to manage for him. That's our privilege to be able to put it to work for him and his purposes. That's the way it is. Our stewardship is a stewardship mindset of abundance, the abundance of the creator, of the owner of all things. Not to think about what we don't have, but to understand the blessing of what we do have by God's grace. That's the stewardship of abundance. God is the owner as he entrusts us with his grace and everything that flows out of that grace, the grace of giving. Paul put that so well in what you heard read in the second reading from Corinthians today. And there's characteristics of that grace of giving. One of them is joy. Celine mentioned that to the kids, and it's true. When God's grace takes hold, it puts a smile in our face. But when that smile disappears, there's still the smile in our heart. And that's the joy, the connection with God. We are grateful to him. And that's where joy begins is from the heart. And not only joy, but in verse 2, as you heard read, listen to that and more. In the midst of a very severe trial, their overflowing joy, the Macedonians, and their extreme poverty welled up in rich generosity. Out of poverty. That is interesting. And you know about that because you heard about it this morning. Jesus sitting and watching people giving their offerings at the temple. Unbelievable. Out of their wealth they gave. But even more so, not just the amount, Jesus focused on the widow who gave her two cents worth. All that she had, the gospel tells us. The gift isn't counted in dollars and cents in its amount. It's counted in the sacrifice. It's counted in the proportion of what we have received. That's the key. Sacrifice proportionate to what we have received, even out of the poverty of our circumstance. And then, as I just read, generosity is another one of those marks of the grace of giving. You heard about that too this morning, didn't you? You know, as the kids were going back, the Old Testament reading, Old Testament, Moses, in charge of building the tabernacle, the house of God in his time and place, called all the craftsmen together to make what they could for that particular place of worship. And they brought their gifts more and more and more. Did you hear what Moses finally said? He said, stop it. <laughs> stop giving your offerings. Can you imagine that? 
stop giving your offerings because there's an abundance. There's even more than what we need. That's generosity. That's the generosity of faith that receives and passes on through faith. Jesus said, whoever sows sparingly will reap sparingly. But whoever sows generously is going to reap generously. You know, the statisticians tell us that among us Christians, in terms of giving back to the owner, to the creator, what he's entrusted to us, eh, it's about 2 maybe 3% of what we have. Can you imagine if only 1% more were given back to the owner? If 1% more of his wealth would be put to play in his work through us here on earth, we wouldn't have a mindset of scarcity, but of abundance, and have all kinds of meetings what to do with everything. But here's the key behind all of this. Verse 5, and they, the Macedonians, exceeded our expectations. Here it is. They gave themselves first of all to the Lord, and then by the will of God also to us. They gave themselves to the Lord. That is, they connected with God's grace given to them. They dedicated themselves in thanksgiving to that gift. And then it resulted in their giving to those Christians in uh, Jerusalem who were in need. This is a spiritual experience. It is a spiritual exercise that comes through faith. It comes through faith and is exercised where the grace of giving begins right in the very core of who we are. Which leads to excellence. Excellence, excel in the grace of giving is the encouragement of God's word through Paul, God's word to us. You know, the things we don't like to do, the things we have to do, the things we would rather not be involved in, they get half-hearted responses, don't they? We give out a compulsion, out of law, maybe even only out of need. But when grace is at work, all we need to do is be remembering. And with that, remember, be encouraged by God's grace. And with it, to move toward excellence. Excellence. That describes God's work along as a part of grace. He excelled in grace like none other ever has, ever will. That's God's love, undeserved, unmerited, with no promises required. His love and forgiveness in Jesus. He excelled like that so that we are able, not just willing, but able, and to put it into practice with excellence. God gave his best. What can we do then less than that? That's what we're asking. That's what we're tuning you into with something we're calling our faith promise as part of our spiritual discipline in life together at St. Michael. We sent you a letter. I think it's a very important letter connected with what I'm speaking about today and the next couple of weeks, what we turn us to. These passages from Corinthians are mentioned and encouraged for your continued reading. And then to work at those in an expression of your faith, a faith promise, in at least two realms 
the grace of giving monetary gifts, the grace of giving through our working, through the giftings as we participate in the mission of God in Christ through St. Michael. And then, when we've given that ample consideration and prayerful thought, there's a card you've received. I'll be referring to this, and it's not to give back today, and it's not to give back next week. We want you to think about these things. Read the scriptures again and again, and then on the 21st, bring this back. And as an act of worship, we'll give this to the Lord as an understanding, as an expression of his grace at work and alive in us. The psalmist didn't read this word of God from Corinthians, but the psalmist put it very, very well when in Psalm 34, verse 9, he wrote these words, Fear the Lord, you his holy people, you saints of God, for those who fear him lack nothing. God's grace has supplied and will through Jesus. Amen.